the rights of criticism and of the church by b b warfield this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the right of criticism unassailable we hear a great deal nowadays of the right of criticism spoken with a certain air of conscious heroism as if criticism with a big c doubtless because it is higher were being dreadfully oppressed by somebody but we know no one who denies the right of criticism everybody uses it and everybody honours it it is the instrument by which we test truth and in proportion as the truth is important or the claims which it makes on us are supreme is not only the right of criticism allowed but its duty insisted upon the indifference with which we allow the claim of a book to be a romance of impossible life by mr rider haggard or a romance of impossible cannon building by mr herbert e ryle passes for the student of historical politics at least into interested alertness to the evidence when it claims to be the lost work of aristotle on the constitution of athens and for all of us into something more than interest when it claims to be the constitution of the land in which we live with its declaration of our rights and its safeguarding of our liberties it ought to and it does rise into the keenest and most searching critical inquiry when the book claims or is claimed to be the law of god binding on all our souls and the discovery of the only way of salvation for lost sinners so far from the bible being less subject to criticism than other books we are bound to submit its unique claims to a criticism of unique rigour criticism is the mode of procedure by which we assure ourselves that it is what it claims to be who will cast his soul's eternal welfare on an uncriticised way of life it is because we believe in criticism and practise it with unflinching severity that we reject the revelations of mohammed the book of mormon and the religion of israel according to kunan and his fellows and accept and rest upon the religion of israel according to moses and the prophets and the gospel of christ according to the evangelists and the apostles when such concerns are at stake we wish to know the pure facts and every one of us exercises all the faculties god has given him and exhausts all the tests at his command to assure himself of the facts criticism consists in careful scrutiny of the facts and is good or bad in proportion to the accuracy and completeness with which the facts are apprehended and collected and the skill and soundness with which they are marshalled and their meaning read deny the validity of criticism of the bible nobody dreams of it abate the earnestness of our practice of it at our soul's peril we dare not in proportion as we are awake to what the bible means for man will we search the scriptures to see whether these things are so whence then arises the plaint which we hear about us that the right of criticism is impugned and the rights of criticism denied for the ineradicable tendency of man to confound the right of criticism with the rightness of his own criticism from the ineradicable tendency of man to confound the right of criticism with the rightness of his own criticism we may safely recognize this to be a common human tendency for as all of us doubtless know by this time humanum est errare but as soon as our attention is directed to it the way seems to be open to remind ourselves of a few distinctions which it will be well for the presbyterian church to attend to in the crisis which is at present impending over her a crisis the gravity of which cannot be overestimated for a church of christ to which has been committed the function of being the pillar and ground of the truth one misleading methods of criticism 
it is not to impugn the right or the duty of criticism to declare that an untrustworthy and misleading method of criticism is not right but wrong criticism we are justly told is only a method so is mathematics only a method but this does not vindicate the correctness of every mathematical calculation by every hand neither figures nor criticism will lie but the men that use them may manage to reach very false conclusions through them despite their incorruptible veracity and we soon discover as there is mathematics and mathematics so there is criticism and criticism because we believe in mathematics we do not care to trust our weight on a bridge the strain of which has been calculated by a misleading method an eminent professor of mathematics tells me that he can prove by an unexceptionable process that one is equal to two some of the critics seem to have learned his method am i impugning the right of criticism when i politely decline to believe that their criticism is right what is the present situation with regard to the criticism of the old testament on the credit of a method of criticism which is discredited wherever it can be tested we are being asked to believe that a large number of the books in the old testament are not the product of their apparent ages or their reputed authors but the stratified deposits of the sea of time on this evidence at least we respectfully decline we point out the inconsequence of this method of criticism elsewhere we recall the weary shadow dance of similar methods in the sphere of the new testament literature and the recession of their boasted results into the realm of shadows whenever the light is fully turned on we point to that admirable jeu d'esprit of the ingenious mr mcreelsham by which the very same methods applied satirically to the epistle to the romans are shown to yield parallel results and lo that logically compacted epistle falls apart into four underlying documents discriminated from one another with a sharpness and a breadth which must make the pentateuchal critic turn green from envy or if we must have a real case which is no jeu d'esprit but solemn earnest we point to scherer's brilliant analysis of the prologue of faust which distributed its parts to their proper periods of goethe's life on the ground of deep-reaching differences of style and internal inconsistencies such as were thought inexplicable save on the supposition of composition at different times and subsequent combination but erich schmidt publishes the oldest manuscript of the poem and lo it is the young goethe who wrote the prologue essentially as it now stands in a single gush it is the same young goethe who assumes the style at the same time of an effervescent youngster and of a cynical greybeard we point to the thorough refutation of this method in principle and in results by such old testament critics as possess independence enough of scholarship and judgment not to be swayed beyond their centre of gravity by the reigning faction or if we glance at the method itself we are led to commend the insight of one of its founders graf who already pointed out the danger of its degenerating into an argument in a circle as we perceive that it first creates the documents it finds by distributing all the elements of one kind to each and then proves their reality by the fact of this constant difference we decline to be caught in this circle and whirled about until we mistake our giddiness for superior wisdom it is not denying the right of criticism to assert that this criticism is not right and cannot lead to right but only to wrong conclusions two biblioclastic criticism it is not to impugn the right of criticism to declare that such a misleading criticism when used as an engine to undermine the divine authority of the scriptures vindicated as that authority abundantly is by overwhelming evidence thoroughly tested by a sound and truth elucidating criticism is not only wrong but a serious wrong 
that the effects of the current type of old testament criticism are of the nature of a disillusionment as over against the bible lies in the nature of the case as has been illustrated lately by mr horton whose thoroughly disillusioned and disillusioning book on inspiration professor chain recommends as the best he knows for these times of distress from an old-fashioned clock which in youth he deemed to be of massive black marble with golden face but which in his wiser years have discovered to be only wood and gilt let any reader note the number of portions of the old testament which dr driver in his recent sober introduction to the literature of the old testament adjudges to be scarcely historical and then ask whether the authority of a historical revelation can be maintained when so large a portion of its historical record is unhistorical then let him remember that the critical analysis which is the chief result of this method turns largely upon the discovery of disagreements and inconsistencies in the present texts no wonder it has become common to speak of the authority of the scriptures as belonging to and their inspiration as residing in not the form but the substance not the husk but the kernel it is a prophet of our own whose language runs the divine substance has been given in human forms and no one will understand the bible until he has learnt to distinguish between the temporal circumstantial and variable form and the eternal essential and permanent substance we seem to have heard something like this before but whether in the mouth of the old german rationalist or the new american critic it is a position which must ultimate in the denial of inspiration properly so called altogether since inspiration as distinguished from revelation necessarily concerns the form or as it is now commonly spoken of not without an undesirable purpose the record of the revelation not the revelation itself accordingly professor stapfer says frankly the doctrine of an inspiration distinct from revelation and legitimating it is an error and dr washington gladden who desires us to note that he follows the leadership of conservative criticism only with equal frankness says evidently neither the theory of verbal inspiration nor the theory of plenary inspiration can be made to fit the facts which a careful study of the writings themselves bring before us these writings are not inspired in the sense which we have commonly given to that word when we remember the strong tendency of the same conservative critics to reduce revelation itself to what they call historical revelation to acts not words or as dr gladden expressed it again to the superintending care of god over the progress of history his moral leadership in history we may estimate how nearly to a minimum the supernatural element has been reduced in a bible a large portion of the historical record of which is unhistorical nor are we to be soothed by the assurances that though the authority of the scriptures is gone for all else it remains to it as a religious guide in the nature of the case this can hardly be nor does this critical school find it possible so to conceive of it we find dr samuel ives curtis writing we find in the theology of ancient israel the divine revelation not only contained in earthen vessels but also on account of its temporal and educational character containing incomplete and even erroneous statements as to certain forms of religious thought that is the revelation which has come from god is allowed to stand in juxtaposition with some forms of human error criticism must therefore discriminate among the distinctively religious teachings of the bible accepting some and rejecting others we must thank a recent english writer mr j j leas for permitting us to see with equal frankness where to this must logically grow even for matters of religion themselves he tells us the bible has lost its authority and we cannot command assent to the contents of a volume which contains an infinity of propositions further than to require the acceptance of a few simple statements embodying all the essentials for salvation 
we are not surprised to find on reading further that these simple essential truths are not according to the gospels of either matthew mark luke or john nor yet of paul or peter but according to the gospel of schleiermacher is it denying the right of criticism to assert that this criticism is not only wrong but is committing a serious wrong against the church and the whole world lying in wickedness in undermining confidence in the one charter of salvation three antichristic criticism it is not to impugn the right of criticism to declare that such a misleading criticism when so far pressing beyond its mark as to curtail the trustworthiness of the witness of the truth himself as a teacher of truth is not only wrong but an intolerable wrong to every christian heart yet the current form of old testament criticism trembles on the verge of this gulf the findings of its misleading method run athwart the implications of the words of him who spake as never man spake and instead of adjusting its theories to accord with his teachings it thinks of adjusting the god-man to its theories thus we have curious sustained efforts to minimize the amount and decisiveness of his teaching new discussions of the propriety of accommodation in his teaching and a whole new crop of studies on the limitation of our lord's knowledge as man when such a ball is once started rolling downwards who knows to what it may grow not merely as a critic and as an exegete but also as a moralist and as a religious teacher we shall find we have lost our lord if we cannot trust him as to the revelation of god of which he the logos was the revealer of the past how can we trust him as the revealer of god for the future are we indeed to say with one critic that interpretation is essentially a scientific function and one conditioned by the existence of scientific means which in relation to the old testament were but imperfectly at the command of jesus and so rid ourselves of his authority in interpreting the old testament are we to say with another critic that as a logician or critic he belongs to his times and as such had a definite restricted outfit and outlook which could be only those of his own day and generation but let us go at once to the bottom mr w hay m h aitken is reported to have permitted himself recently to use such words as these literary criticism is a science and one that requires as much exercise of mind as the pursuit of mathematics you are not surprised that christ in his manhood was not the equal of newton in mathematical knowledge why should you be surprised if he prove not to have been the equal of wellhausen in literary criticism the case may be put thus in the truth of his manhood christ would naturally accept the views of his contemporaries as to the authorship of the old testament scripture just as one of us would naturally accept the common view of the authorship of shakespeare's plays in spite of recent transatlantic theories on that subject the only thing that would induce on his part a view that was something more than the popular opinion of the period in which he lived would be an express revelation of course if god specifically revealed to christ that the pentateuch was written by moses cardit questio let god be true and every critic if not a liar at any rate mistaken but is not christ himself god is it true that we could not expect him to be a critic because criticism requires so much exercise of mind are we rushing down to the pit of a new and crasser unitarianism what christ is this that mr aitken pictures before us not the christ of the bible who is our prophet and our guide who is the truth itself incarnated who is dramatized before our eyes in the length and breadth of the gospels not as a child of his times limited by the mental outlook of his day but as a teacher to his and to all times sent from god as not more the power of god than the wisdom of god 
and whose own witness to himself was verily verily i say unto you we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen and ye receive not our witness if i have told you of earthly things and ye believe not how shall ye believe if i tell you heavenly things is it to deny the right of criticism to declare that a criticism which starting on a wrong path rushes headlong into the very face of the truth itself is an intolerable wrong which no christian heart can calmly bear for the church's right to criticism it is not to impugn the right of criticism to declare that those who adopt a misleading criticism as their guide to truth and draw from it conclusions inconsistent with what is held as precious truth by the church with which they are connected and teach these conclusions in opposition to the public confession of the church may not rightly continue to receive the endorsement of that church as sound teachers of religion the refusal of the church to remain responsible before the world for their teaching is no blow at the right of criticism in the abstract or even at the freedom of these critics to teach their special form of criticism it is on the other hand only the assertion by the church of her right to teach only what she believes without infringing in the least upon the right of others to teach what they please on their own responsibility and in their own names and on the other hand the liberation of the new thinkers from whatever trammels to their thought and speech they may recognize as growing out of the pledges they may have taken to believe and teach the doctrines of the church or is the critic only to be free and the church bound let him exercise freely his right to criticize but let the church also be free to test not only the truth of the scriptures as he does but also the truth of his theories of the scriptures and to act accordingly what democrat would feel that his liberty of thought and speech were infringed by the refusal of a republican club to become or remain sponsor for his political teachings but you say no democrat would desire to become or remain a member of a republican club this is the strangeness of the situation one wonders that a new criticism involving as we are told a wholly reconstructed theology should find so much attraction in a traditionalist church of an outworn creed or should take to do business under its trademark hear the parable of the thistles thistles certainly have beauties of their own and many virtues which nobody would care to deny but they do seem out of place in a garden designed for roses even though they proclaim themselves more beautiful than any roses in the garden and the husbandman seems to have a duty towards thistles growing in the garden which even their irritable noli metangere ought not to deter him from executing with all due kindness indeed but with that firmness of touch which becomes one in dealing with thistles otherwise what will he say to the lord of the garden whom even the more luxuriant growth of the thistles may not please when they are tossing their bold heads in the bed intended for roses end of the rights of criticism and of the church by b b warfield